You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last week, we hope. We're zooming into week seven as we record. will be a Thursday night game tonight. Uh, New Orleans at Arizona. Hopefully there'll be some points scored. The last couple of Thursday night games have been real snoozers. Hopefully for Amazon, they'll get their money's worth tonight. D-Hop back for Arizona. It looks like the Red Rifle will be starting again for New Orleans. Uh, before we get to, I guess, the bulk of the show here, a little change up here, Alex. What, what do you think of tonight's game? What are you looking t- forward to the most in this matchup? Yeah, I'm going to go with the Cardinals in this game just because I think uh, getting the, the star wide receiver back and, and DeAndre Hopkins, they obviously traded for Robbie Anderson when uh, Marquise Brown went down. So I think they have some more firepower in the passing game for Kyler Murray. So I'm going to go with the Cardinals here. I just, I'm not a big believer in the Saints. I think the Saints have basically collapsed. And I think the most disappointing thing about the Saints this year is not even their offense. It's their defense. I guess I expected a little bit more out of a Dennis Allen you know, a team because he had so much success as a defensive coordinator there the, the past couple of years. He took over as a head coach, and it seems like the defense has disappeared for the most part. And I think that was that was the hope. It wasn't like having the firepower on offense with Thomas, Alave, you know, Kamara. It was the defense that I thought was going to keep the Saints in there, and I think that's the reason why you picked them to go to the playoffs as well. But that they've been disappointing. So I think the Cardinals, both teams are 2-4. and four. I think the Cardinals will cover tonight and win that game. Well, I'm looking, I guess, looking forward to one. I guess seeing D-Hop on the field, maybe that he typically makes a huge difference when he and Kyler are active, winning record, bigger numbers. You know, interesting to see how they use Robbie Anderson, too, just coming in off of that trade. That's kind of what happened with him on the field. Wilkes throwing him off, basically telling him, okay, the little argument you had, that's not going to that's not going to fly with me. Just he ejected his own player out of the game. And then afterwards, Anderson's like, I don't know what happened. But, you know, subsequently he gets traded. So I don't know. A couple practices. Maybe they throw him some go balls. I don't know. But you, you hope Arizona can score some points. I think they have like three points in the first quarter all season. What I mean, it, it's just it's so perplexing that just the Cardinals in general. Just from the time, the whole thing with the the uh, the contract, the addendum. You know, does the owner is the owner trying to teach the quarterback a lesson? Uh, they extend the coach, they extend the GM. They've lost eight in a row at home, which again is just one of the crazier stats that you'll see. But I think even crazier is the fact that they can't score in the first half and they get behind, and that just blows them up so I don't know what's happening there but again what I'm looking forward to most is some points in the first quarter and hopefully D Hop has at least one highlight reel catch and because he's known for it uh what we're going to get into actually with the show is several things I mean New York football is back I mean the Jets and the Giants at the same time at the you know not at the top of their divisions but 
obviously at five and one and four and two, much better than anybody expected. I, I gotta believe uh, the Falcons at three and three. They were part of the pick segment last week, but uh, yeah, what's Arthur Smith doing down there? Overall scoring down in the NFL, which again, who would have predicted it? All the rules are you know geared towards offense and scoring. We'll talk about that. Some of the top quarterbacks struggling, Brady, Rodgers, Russ, all for different reasons. But uh, let's start off in New York. Uh, is there a common thread here? I, I would have to say the defense, right? Both teams playing really solid defense. I agree with you. I think we can bunch this together, um, how the, the Giants and the Jets are having success this year. I think uh, the Giants have found success right from the start the jets had a little speech from their head coach it seemed like nobody believed in it because joe flacco was starting a quarterback all of a sudden the jets have picked it up i mean they've won three straight games the theme is the same it's the defense carrying the day but it's also the running game i mean saquon barkley you and i have talked about this a few times he's looking like what how he looked during his rookie season he looks healthy he looks like he has a step as as fit as ever he has a step and he's making plays whether it's as a rusher or as in the passing game as well i mean dayball is just riding him right now with kafka they're relying on him they're giving him the ball like and he wants it and he's carrying that offense because daniel jones is nothing And that passing game is almost non-existent. And you're asking yourself, how are they winning? It's the running game and the defense. Same thing with the Jets. They've given the ball to Brees Hall the past three games. I think he's carried the ball more than 18 times. He's been over 100 yards. And they're, they're relying on him a little bit more. And again, they traded up in the second round to draft him to be that you know, the workhorse in that offense. So it looks like, again, relying on the running game and playing good defense, it's working for both teams. And it's no surprise. And Zach Wilson, low, I mean, almost non-existent. It's so rare in today's NFL for a team to ask its quarterback to do as little as Wilson has done since he has returned from injury. I mean, you would think like a second overall pick, you would rely on him. He would be the backbone of your team. He's the one that's going to be carrying, you know, this young Jets Jets team. And that's not what's happening at all. Again, it's kind of old school football and both head coaches are relying on it. Well, yeah, I mean, they're not asking the quarterback to do a ton. And within that, I would say Jones actually is playing a lot better you know, than he has in the past. I mean, obviously, he's not turning it over. Uh, He's making some plays with his legs, which he always has. In his defense, you know, they really don't have any consistency at wide receiver. I mean, he's throwing to guys like David Sills, you know, late, you know, West Virginia Mountaineers was the last time, you know, you really heard of the guy. Uh, But he's out there playing. Marcus Williams, they got Wandale Robinson back. Maybe they can get him going. Uh, He scored a touchdown last week. So, you know, maybe they start, they're going to have to start mixing in some explosive plays of the passing. They're going to have to get some. Not that they have to rely on it, but yeah, I mean, they're just good old fashioned. But the, I guess the, the common theme I also see is you see two sidelines, two locker rooms that believe. Whereas I think in the past, that was kind of missing, you know? 
Especially on the Giants' part, because Dable, I mean, he, you, you look at that team, and you, the first thing you see, at least the first thing I see, is this team is well coached. Okay, you had a situation. Now, again, I'm sure they talked about it in the huddle or whatever, but in the past, in the in the game against the Ravens, where again at the end of the game they've got the game won, they got the big turnover, and you know they're up by four. And Ravens, I think, are down to their last timeout, or they use their final timeout, and Barkley kind of gets one off tackle. He's heading toward the end zone. Oh, my gosh, he's going to score. They're going to win by 11. Fantasy owners are going to go nuts. And he stopped himself short of the goal line and took a knee because he knew if he did that, they would end the game with the ball in their hands. Victory formation, game over. Now again, very small sample, but you know that's just a little bit different than you're used to from the Giants. This this that might have been the case in the past where he scores immediately, you know, bad stuff starts happening and the Ravens somehow get it into overtime. But, you know, again, the likelihood of that happening is very small, but just a small example of okay, we're securing a victory. We're here to win. We don't, you know, we don't need the numbers. We don't need extra points here. Uh, I think the, the Browns kind of fell into that situation against the aforementioned Jets earlier in the season where Chubb scores. And the next thing you know, all hell broke loose and the Jets end up winning the game. But yeah, very well coached on both sides. Defense, Quinn and Williams for the Jets. He had that blow up on the sideline with his with his defensive line coach. And I don't want to say since then, but it seemed like that was enough juice. Hey, let me get after the passer. And he's just a terror now, you know, from the inside. So I, I really like what's happening there. And yeah, as far as Zach Wilson's concerned, they're not, he has more weapons. But, you know, Elijah Moore, I think, had either a target or maybe zero against the Packers. But when you're winning, I think that kind of, you know, that's the the great deodorant, right? As long as you win, some of these things don't come into play. But as we go on, obviously Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, Corey Davis have to start making some plays downfield. And you'd like to see Zach Wilson, who, albeit he's not making the hero ball plays and turning it over, but you got to make see him make some plays, and there was one to Corey Davis that was a big play in the game. So maybe you know again throw sprinkle some of that in there a little bit more, and hopefully they, this continues. But it's got to be exciting to be in New York because you know, n- neither of these teams have been anything to cheer about for a long time. So you say Daniel Jones is playing better. They obviously haven't picked up his taking care of taking care of the ball for sure. Yeah, they haven't picked up his fifth year option, or they declined it. Do you think if they keep winning, they'll bring him back? They'll sign him to a long term contract because to me, and this is where I stand, he is taking care of the ball. All right, he's not throwing picks, he's not fumbling the ball like he used to. He's still taking a lot of sacks if you look at his numbers, and it's not only the offensive line's fault. I like his accuracy. I mean, they're putting him in good positions, and he's completing a very high percentage uh, of you know throws. I think he's around 67% on the season, which is a very high number, even if you're Again, not forcing the ball in there and taking the easy throws. But still, I mean, his accuracy has been much better. But the guy hasn't has thrown for, what, 200 yards only once this season? Once? 
and he's throwing for two touchdowns in two of the games. I mean, he's just, to me, he's a game manager. I can find a quarterback like this, even on the free agent market. He's a backup quarterback, Lou. I mean, that's what he looks like. When the Giants traded up to select them in the top 10, they certainly hoped that they were getting a franchise quarterback. I think this coaching staff, this GM, the front office, they realize that they don't have a guy that can take them to the Super Bowl. They don't have the guy. And, you know, they're doing the best they can with him. But I still would say, it, to me, it would be very difficult to hand out a big contract to Daniel Jones at the end of the season, even if the Giants win 11 or 12 games and go to the playoffs. It's still, as a general manager, as a head coach, it would still be a debate that I could still improve and get a better quarterback, whether it's through the draft, in free agency, or maybe through a trade. I don't think, I, no, I don't think they're going to sign into a long-term deal, you know, big money. There, there's no chance just because of the way they play. As you mentioned, I mean, he's not really being asked to do as much, and I'm sure there's a lot of reasoning. They have to play a certain way to win. So that kind of tells you that, okay, this is how we have to play now. So the only way I think he, he comes back is if one, they miss out on maybe some free, uh, like a free agent that they, they've targeted, right? So he's going to get a chance to test the waters. I mean, there's, there's no question about that. Or they just don't feel like they have a high enough draft pick to get one of the premium guys that's going to be coming out this year, which it looks like you're going to have some really good options in the draft. So, and again, if they do bring him back, it would be more like that like the deal that Trubisky signed with the Steelers. Now, again, Daniel Jones would have to be a very humble, humble guy to take that from the incumbent team. But I would say that's the only way he comes back. Team friendly, and they've exhausted all other options, which, you know, really, you know, from an agent standpoint, whatever, whoever's advising Daniel Jones probably say, hey, we're just going to move on and, and you know try our luck somewhere else. And that's going to be interesting. He's going to be a sought-after free agent quarterback as well. If the Giants choose to cut bait, will he be? I think he will be. Look, if a quarterback... How are we going to say he's a game manager, all this, but he's going to be sought after? All right, so I think inside that building, the Giants believe he's a game manager. But there are other teams out there that I believe might look at him differently when a quarterback wins 11 or 12 games and leads his team into the playoffs. So I think other a teams... Bridge, a bridge quarterback. Again, a Teddy Bridgewater, Mitch Trubisky. I don't think he's viewed around the league as anything more than that. But guys like Teddy Bridgewater and Mitch Trubisky have gotten paid. And they have started games. Well, not big, not big. Bridgewater got some decent money, but even Mitch's contract wasn't that wasn't that big. I mean, even then, you're thinking, well, the Steelers know what's going on. They're probably going to draft a quarterback, and you know, Mitch is just there, just in case type thing. Um, Teddy B, so, yeah, I mean, Teddy they, B got a lot of money from the the Carolina Panthers before. 
Like, you know, they believed in him being that franchise quarterback. And there's and there's your candidate. Maybe the Carolina Panthers will pay another middling quarterback to come in and be the savior, which no, I hopefully they don't make that mistake again. And nothing against Daniel Jones, it's just they that's a whole if I was him, I don't care if he if, Unless there was no other team offering me a contract, you're not going to Carolina. No way. I don't think Carolina. Carolina is is switching head coaches. I think they're going to switch GMs as well. I don't think they're going to go. They're going to draft one of those guys. I mean, they got Matt Corral sitting there in, in the bullpen. Maybe, you know, they coach him up to be the backup. But it's going to be C.J. Stroud, Will Levis. Uh, when are these guys that comes out? You know, I don't know what the thought is going to be. You know, when spring rolls around, but Hendon Hooker for Tennessee looks like. I mean, he looked like against Alabama. Now we're getting a little off track, but Hendon Hooker he looked like the second coming of, of uh, Doug Williams. Tall guy stands in the pocket, rifle for an arm. I where'd this guy come from? Virginia Tech. No, this guy came out. Uh, yeah, he came out from. Uh, yeah, that's he right. He was a transfer from Virginia Tech to to Tennessee, and I don't know if it's Josh Heupel. I don't know if it's that he's twenty four years old. I don't know what it is, but you're seeing him against you know the number one team in the country, arguably the number one team in the country, and he's just filleting them. So again, and he's been playing well the whole season. But but again, I guess my point is is that Carolina certainly I think is going to be in the hunt. For one of those guys. Um, so again, going back to Daniel Jones, the, the answer is no. They don't bring him back. He may get one of those, you know, smaller deals because anymore, it's either it's like all or nothing with these quarterbacks. It's either okay, I got to extend this guy and I got to pay him like near or at the top of the market, or it's get rid of him. There's no like, hey, we know who you are, what what you can do. Maybe you know, maybe like fifteen million a year for somebody that you feel can actually start for your team and win some games. How are you as a Giants fan? Can you get to twenty? I mean, would you pay him twenty million? And none of these guys are seem like they want to take it. It's like, hey, I'm a starter. I want big money, like Baker, right? Low. How can you and he where's he at now? He's he's he is in dire trouble of being and I think we talked about it last week, where becoming like the the new voice of the Big Twelve network, right? Lou, the Giants have been suffering. The fans have been suffering, you know, for a very long time. How do you explain it to the fan base that you cut bait with the quarterback? That actually took you to the playoffs and won 11 or 12 games. That's a tough one. Have we ever seen a team cut loose of a starting quarterback that they could have re-signed that went to the playoffs? And the Giants look like a playoff team unless they collapsed. Baker Mayfield, we just said. Baker Mayfield. But it didn't happen like overnight. It but it didn't happen it overnight. Baker year. played. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't last year. And there's a lot of extenuating circumstances there. But, yeah, I mean, it is a tough one. But, okay, are we going to the playoffs because of him? Or are we going to the playoffs because of Barkley, the defense, everything else? You know, that's – if you're going to shell out big money, like 30 – whatever, five years, $150 million, you want a guy that's you know is going to 
bail you out of some games where maybe the defense isn't playing so well or the running game isn't going so well. If he's not capable of doing that, there's no way you can pay him. So, yeah, I mean, it's a unique situation, but here we go. I mean, and I guess flipping it to the Jets, this guy, this kid's only in his second year. You're kind of, you know, getting him sprinkled into okay get used to winning how we need to win but okay now he's got the arm talent he's got the wow factor let's see if he can be consistent let's start making some plays down for you get comfortable with these wide receivers because everybody's I mean, this is like a college team right they're all 25 and younger so again they're going to go through some growing pains but while they are with the quarterback they're winning games so yeah this is this is great for new york football i think I think the Giants realize that they can't cut Daniel Jones loose. So they're going to keep playing this style of play. But the Jets have to gain well, more not confidence. during the season. I mean, it's certainly become after the but fact. But the Jets, the Jets, they have to cut loose. I mean, they have to get Zach Wilson going. They didn't draft him second overall to be, you know, a cheerleader out there. And that's what he's turning out to be at this point. So, like, they're playing it way too safe. When did you see a quarterback throw for, like, a little over 100 yards and they win a game? What the hell is going on with with football in general? I mean, they got to cut well, I loose. I guess the bottom well, I guess the, they look at it as the bottom line is we won. You know, what difference does it make? I mean, we're not, I mean, again, I mean, for fantasy football, for aesthetics, yeah. I mean, it. hey, you know, it's kind of boring. But, you know, for a franchise that's losing all those games every year after year, you tell me, you talk to Jets fans that are so fired up right now, they give a shit, what, you know, that, that their quarterback, the, the second overall pick is throwing for 150 yards. No, I don't think so. But eventually he's going to have to make plays during the course of the game. And that's, I think, what you have to look at. And eventually, as he learns the position, plays and learns the position and his teammates, the new receiving group better, I think you know, those will come. Hopefully. That's what, that, that's what the hope is. Do they? I don't know. But for the time being, if this is the way we're going to win, that's it. That's what the fans pay for. That's what everybody is looking at. Now, again, if you've got him on your fantasy team, it's like, I can't start this dude. There's no way. So, yeah, I, I feel that pain because nah, it's not aesthetically pleasing. It's not. But the fans are so fired up that they're winning that, hey, let's just keep it going. That's not the Zach Wilson I saw in his last year at BYU. That's, no. that's not the Zach Wilson that I heard people... Uh, gush about during how, the draft how process. many of those how many of the how many of those quarterbacks in that draft class look like they did in college right now well i think trevor lawrence at times is starting to look like that guy under the tutelage and he he's played a lot more games he's got an offensive head coach now so yeah but again i i just think that he, zach wilson was pretty i think much more raw and didn't play in nearly as many big games as Trevor Lawrence would have. I think he was a little further along in the process than Zach was, right? Yes, absolutely. Coming out. Absolutely, absolutely. Speaking of quarterbacks from that draft, the Patriots are winning, Lou. I mean, you you keep starting Bailey Zappi instead of getting Mac Jones in there? Hey, 
Z- Zapster is winning out there. What what do they call him? Absolutely. What's his nickname? What's his nickname? I don't know. I don't know if he has one. He hasn't been around long enough. Most people barely even knew his name. Uh, I mean, outside now again, if you followed the Sun Belt or Western Kentucky football, you're like, yeah. I mean, this this dude is ready for prime time. Sixty two touchdowns. I mean, he he broke uh, was it Burrow's record for for one season touchdown passes i mean just the numbers that they were putting up he and his i don't know if it was a receiver or two receivers from houston baptist transferred to western kentucky and they lit it up so and i i think the thing here is you know you look at mac jones coming from alabama and so forth again playing in much bigger games so you think oh well you know mac jones you gotta get and i don't know uh the sense that I get is Belichick doesn't give a crap about first-round pick, fourth-round pick. We're winning. We're winning the way we're telling our quarterback that we want to win. These are the reads, kid. This is where the ball needs to go. And maybe he's – and Bailey Zappi's just happy to be playing and say, yes, sir, absolutely, that's what I'm going to do, and that's what he's doing. And I think Mac maybe a little bit more of a cerebral guy. And again, there's no knock against Bailey Zappi. He's doing what he has to do to play. But if Max more of, okay, wanting to know the concepts and understanding why they're doing certain things, why do we have these defensive coaches in my second year of development? You know, and he's just kind of, you know, trying to get the full picture. And Belich is like, just do what the hell we're telling you to do and shut up, you know, and move along. Let's just win some games. And now he's got a guy that's doing it. So I think he's going to stick with Zappi as long as they're winning. No, no question about it. Well, it sounds like Jones is expected to be ready for Monday Night Football, okay? So against the Bears. Uh, It's going to be an interesting decision, but knowing what we know about Bill Belichick from the outside, I think he's going to go with the hot hand because they're winning. He's there, yeah. It doesn't matter who it is. He's done it before. I'd be shocked. He's done it before. I'd be shocked if, absolutely, I'd be shocked if Mac Jones plays. Not, I mean, he may play later this season, but at least if the and they now it bears obviously winnable game, big favorites, they should win. Bailey Zappi goes out, plays another good game, he's not going to pull him out of there. There's no way. Well, there you go. There's going to be an interesting trade candidate, Mac Jones, getting traded somewhere to the Giants <laughs> or, after they cut or Zappi or, or Zappi or Zappi. You know, it depends on what happens, you know, the rest of this year. Uh, now again, I mean, if you go, but now if you want to get you know, revisionist history here, with if the you know if the stories and everything that you heard, the whispers out there when you know uh, Belichick wanted Jimmy G to kind of take over the job at the time for Brady, and then they're like, well, nah, Brady's going to keep playing, <laughs> and Jimmy G gets gets traded. One of these, yeah, one of these guys will go. He'll he'll turn it into some draft capital. Hopefully, they'll make good picks with it. But uh, those picks have been pretty suspect lately. Don't you agree? Well, Bill Belichick needs to uh, check himself at the door as far as his GM status. I mean, the drafting part of things, right? Yeah. Maybe what's the what's the dog's name? Nike, Nike. The 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 husky Nike is making the picks. Probably that's who he he's probably relying on. You know, during his final. So, decision. how about these other guys that have been been around for a while and are struggling? 
you know, Brady's been up and down most of the year. And again, all these all these teams having, you know, issues, whether uh, change at wide receiver, injuries along the offensive line, injuries at the wide receiver position as far as Tampa's concerned. You know, Rodgers, Russ, is just, that situation is just wow. Uh, that's a whole different segment, I think. But between Brady and Rodgers... Which, I mean, which one of these guys is going to turn it around here quickly? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, to me, I think Brady's got the better chance if his receivers are healthy. Rodgers, not so much because there's nobody, there's no veteran receiver walking through the door, and you know, if he's still trying to learn these these rookies, or the rookies are trying to learn him, you know, it's just. It's going to be a tough one, and I God, I picked them to pick be in the Super Bowl, and I'm not feeling very good about that. Brady just looks like he's in pain, Lou. Every time I'm watching him on the field, I think he regrets his decision uh, coming back. I mean, for an extra year, he's just he looks like a guy that has lost his passion for the game. That just it seems like he looks a lot more frustrated than I've ever seen him in the previous 20 years that he's played the game. Honestly, I mean, he was ripping the offensive line before, but he just looks looks like he's just lost the passion for this game. And it might be some personal stuff that's going on, you know, with him, you know, behind closed doors. It has nothing to do with football. Maybe it's affecting him as well. But he just looks like a guy that should have retired and just enjoyed, you know, the booth. Uh, commentating, you know, being a, a sportscaster, uh, being an analyst, you know, calling the games. I think that's where he should have been this year instead of coming back to the Bucks. So I'm going to say Aaron Rodgers is going to turn it around, even though he doesn't have the weapons that Brady has. But I just have more faith that, you know, he's going to figure it out. He's going to get those young guys involved. Uh, you know, they're going to score a lot more points and the Packers will will keep it going. Russell Wilson is just a completely baffling situation. They have a new head coach. What is a guy that was so good? I mean, even the last four years or so and then just falls off a cliff. I mean, just almost like he's this is his, his rookie year and not even as good as his rookie year. I mean, he just he looks so uncomfortable that it's it's really hard to watch. I think a lot of it. I think a lot of it falls on the offensive scheme and the coaches here because I don't think they're playing to his strengths. I mean, when Russ has success, he moves outside the pocket. That's always been the case. He might not be the runner that he used to be, okay? And the, the Seahawks figured this out, and they cut him loose. But you got to get him on the move. He is much better throwing on the run. And then when he's not having success, they keep him in the pocket. You know, he's a 5'11 quarterback. He can't see, all right? That, the Seahawks always, you know, did some creative things but don't with you, Russ. Don't you th- but don't you think that he's old enough in the game to understand that? And he, I mean, he's, I don't think they're coaching him not to, mo- not to move. I just, that last game, he was having success in the first half. Because they were designed. Oh, the first fifteen, the first fifteen plays, it looked like the Russ of old. It's like, oh, okay, here we go. Maybe they figured some things out. 
And then that was it. And then what happened? They kept him in the pocket in the second half of the game. That's not his game, okay? He never throws it in the middle of the field. He loves the deep ball. He likes those fade routes. I just think the coaches haven't done enough background on Russell Wilson. They have to talk to him. Find out what he likes. Find out which... You know which passes he can complete on high percentage. They gotta passes. be. They gotta be doing that though, right? It doesn't I mean, look gotta, that I mean, way. Been... It doesn't look that way. I mean, Hackett looks like he's well, what overmatched. Do they, what do they? What do they do all week? Well, this coaching staff right now <laughs> looks in that. It is an. It is a new staff. I mean, obviously they have to take their part in this too. Hackett's never been. A, I don't know that he was. He was a quarterback coach. In Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers loved him. So yeah, I mean, he was like he was like the the quarterback's buddy. They I don't know how much you know how much he really imparted on Aaron Rodgers, but it was a good personal relationship and it was a good buffer between he and Lafleur. Not to say he doesn't have a good relationship with Lafleur, but you know you you like to have that. You know, any quarterback would like likes to have that guy that kind of focuses with him. Uh, and now he's ahead in charge of the entire operation, and he's maybe he's not spending as much time with Russ, and they have to, you know, they they have to adjust some things, and maybe, you know, maybe we we overrated the the ability of this receiving group that has all the potential in the world, but again, Judy Sutton, I don't know, Tim Patrick seemed to be their best receiver. He's been injured, but. You know, these other guys are higher draft picks. Um, I don't know. I mean, do you see these receivers being as good as, I guess, advertised or as good as we thought they might be? I just think the offense as a whole is not living up to its potential. Russ has been disappointing. I'm not excusing him. The wide receivers have been disappointing. I don't understand when, you know, their their main running back, Javante Williams, goes down. They're not starting Melvin Gordon. That's kind of strange. I think the well, they the, the, they did they did start him, but they didn't I think give they him gave the, ball. the ball three times, and then he was on, and then he was, and then he was inexplicably on the sideline, and he evidently had no reason for the whole thing. It wasn't it wasn't like said, hey, we're benching him, but they never brought him back to play, and now they're saying he's starting the next game, this Sunday against the Jets. So I. That whole situation. Could you imagine being the being the owners? You just paid all this money for this this franchise. You sign this quarterback that's never played for you to this huge extension when you didn't have to immediately. Maybe they promised them when they made the trade, and they're and they're looking at it like like who the hell is running the show here? What's going on? You know, Walmart's a pretty big brand. We you know we kind of know how to run a business, and th- this. This doesn't look so good. What do you? I mean, they, and they're married to him. They're stuck. They got. They get. They got to ride with this guy. Well, so I don't. It's. It's. Wow. I'm just glad that again. It, it didn't turn out so good so far. You know, being a Chiefs fan. You know, I, not that I. I take pleasure in seeing them fail, but eh, I kind of do. I think they're going to cut loose of the coach at the end of the season. Like you mentioned, they can't cut loose of Russell Wilson. Sean Payton, here we go, okay? He's going to be the hot name. 
Denver Broncos are going to have to shell out a lot of money in order to get his interest up. There'll be other teams. They got plenty. They got plenty. There'll of be other teams, obviously, on his tail. I think Sean Payton and Russell Wilson will be a great match made in heaven because look at what Sean Payton did for another 5'11 quarterback out there, okay? And Drew Brees, how much success they had there. I think he's going to be able to solve Russ and, and get him going because I don't see it getting better. I just, it's not this marriage between Hackett, Russell Wilson, that coaching staff, it just, it looks off. It's like they're, they're not speaking the same language. And, you know, both guys are to blame. Both parties are, but it's a lot easier to get rid of a head coach than the quarterback. And I think that's what's going to happen here. My God, but it's the numbers on the contract are staggering. And how the, how does Pete and John Schneider look right now? Do they just look like geniuses? Well, absolutely. They unloaded a huge amount of cap space. They got, I don't know, like five players, four players and six draft picks. Uh, first rounders, second rounders. Their quarterback is playing a hell of a lot better than, than Russ is. And all of a sudden, I mean, God, I mean, they, they I, I can imagine them watching games to get, just kind of giggling to each other. I mean, do you think they knew that maybe they were doing a lot or, you know, let Russ cook and they kind of knew that, hey, maybe this guy just doesn't, isn't capable of doing that on a consistent basis or you can, he can play like that and thrive, but your team's not going to win, Uh God, he had much better receivers in Seattle, too. I mean, DK and Lockett, wow. So, uh, yeah, that's that. That is that. That's just crazy. But going back to the original thing is, I think I'm going to give Brady the benefit of the doubt. I don't know that so much he's lost the passion for the game. I just think a lot of this personal stuff is bothering a little bit more. But the bigger thing that's bothering him is the lack of continuity of the offensive line because of all the injuries. They had a great offensive line, right? But, you know, some, some you know, one guy leaves, Kappa leaves, injuries all over the place. Julio Jones is able to play, you know, whatever, 10 minutes, and then he's he's back on IR. Godwin's been on and off the injured list. Uh, uh, oh, God, number 13's name escapes me now. Mike, uh, damn, number 13 for Tampa, Tampa Bay, Mike Evans. Okay, so Mike Mike Evans, you know, he had the, the one game that he missed due to suspension. But again, it's, here's a guy that is going to continue to put up numbers. So if they can get their offensive line straight, use Lenny, maybe not as much as they are, sprinkle in a little bit more Rashad White running the ball. Uh, the defense is playing well for the most part so i think i'm going to give tampa and tom the the edge over the packers just because i think the rookie receivers the younger receivers will get going but i just don't know that their defense why they're not playing better i guess that's the an even bigger question is why isn't the packers defense playing up to their potential and the star power that they have on that side of the ball that's that's puzzling to me because I thought that was going to be the strength. I thought the Packers defense was going to carry the day. The reason why I picked the Packers to win that division 
It wasn't because, you know, I thought Aaron Rodgers was going to perform miracles with these rookie receivers. I, I thought that the defense was going to was going to rise to the challenge. But so far, that's that's been one of the most disappointing things uh, coming out of, you know, Lambeau. And uh, I don't know if it's going to get better, uh, to be honest with you. I think it's still going to be Aaron Rodgers doing some heroics and, and getting this team to the playoffs. And Right now, it just seems like the the defense and everything else is kind of coming short, uh, coming up short for Green Bay. Well, let's hit on one of the, uh, another interesting team right now that again is a little bit of a surprise: the Atlanta Falcons, three and three. More importantly, six and zero oh against the spread. I, I I've been keep throwing them in there because they keep winning. But Arthur Smith, you know, coming from Tennessee, obviously, you know. Tremendous run game, but, you know, you're thinking, oh, well, he's he had King Henry. Of course, you know, you're going to get you're going to get a lot of yards. You know, Matt LaFleur had, a, you know, same guy you know, two the last two uh, OCs, head coaches now done a great job. But uh, how much of it was just ha- just having Henry in there in the running game. But my goodness, somehow. He's generating big plays. You don't see, you know, Drake London, they're sprinkling him a little bit. Pitts, you know, he gets a few balls here and there. But I don't know if it's with mirrors or whatever. Um, is it just hard to, hard to prepare for, you know, from, the, from an opponent's standpoint because they play offense so much differently than the rest of the league? Um, it's almost, and I don't think it's as big a difference, but almost like a college team, you know, you're playing in your league, you got a bunch of passing teams you're playing against, or maybe they, they, a little bit of a balance, but then all of a sudden you've got, uh, Georgia Tech this week or Air Force or Army. And it's like, what, you know, three days to prepare for this, not, not enough time, but, uh, I don't know. I mean, they, they run like three receivers like 20% of the time. It's such a low number compared to the rest of the league. You know, Maybe that has something to do with it. Mariota wins NFC Player of the Week. He threw 14 passes last week. Now he had 13 completions, but still, it's all predicated on the running game. The defense is playing it. And again, there's a common theme through the whole show is these teams running game, defense, when all we talk about leading up to the season, again, is all the points being scored, the passing game, the quarterbacks, which, again, is going to continue. I don't think the running game is ever going to surpass, but if you're looking at these defenses, the way they play and taking away the uh, the deep balls, explosive plays, you got to be able to run it, and it looks like the teams that can are having some success. Can they carry it on? I don't know, but it's awfully fun to watch right now these teams winning that you didn't expect to yeah it seems like the theme of the show here is teams are winning this year that we didn't expect to win right i mean that seems right that might be the title of the show or something like that Uh, but arthur smith knows how to manage games okay he you he knows how to use his personnel too by the way cordero patterson didn't play in this game against the 49ers but caleb huntley he's been He's been on IR. Caleb Huntley, Tyler Algier, Marcus Mariota. Those were the main guys carrying the football, and they had success. And Mariota, I mean, say what you want. He threw for 129 yards, but he had two touchdowns uh, through the air, one touchdown on the ground, and he was efficient. 
All right, he completed like 95% of his passes. So it's amazing, to be honest with you. Hackett is inept with the Denver Broncos. Arthur Smith is doing more with less because he just he doesn't have like big time weapons. Yeah, he has Kyle Pitts, he has Drake London, but he doesn't have the quarterback that will be able to get it to those guys like, you know, efficiently. He, like he would feed them like this. He's making Marcus Mariota look like he could get Daniel Jones. He could get a payday, okay, during the <laughs> like free Dan- agency. Like, Dan- like Daniel, like Daniel Jones, no, better. manage the game, make some plays with your legs. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Mariota is certainly better, but it just again, it, again, some common themes running through. Is a are the Falcons a playoff team? The way you look at them right now, I mean, do you see them legitimately making the playoffs behind that running game and that defense? It's going to be tough just because, again, it depends. I mean, if you're looking at the, you start looking at the divisions and you, you got to believe Philadelphia is going to make the playoffs. It looks like Dallas has got it going. Hey, the Giants may make the playoffs. Then you look at the North. Minnesota is out in the lead. You know, are they going to, be, you know, are they going to be consistent enough and continue this? It looks like they probably will because the rest of the division is very weak. And you wouldn't expect to say that with Green Bay in there, but here we are. I mean, they they are struggling. So you know, certainly Minnesota gets in, um, and then in the West. You know, everybody's three and three or whatever, two and four with uh, with Arizona, and but the rest of the teams are three and three. Who's going to make it from there? It's like you know, who's going to limp through this? Even though I believe that San Francisco is a Super Bowl potential team, I believe the Rams were, but it doesn't look like it's really trending in that direction. But I think they still certainly make the playoffs. Seattle. You know, so again, I mean, can it, I think that's going to be the team that uh, Atlanta ultimately has to outplay and, and outdo record-wise Seattle. So that that's a big question. So do they have a chance? Absolutely. Mariota keeps playing like this, and their defense keeps playing this well. They're going to have a shot. Let's see what happens. You know, against against the Bucks. It's amazing. We've spent the entire show talking about the, the Giants, the Jets, and now the Falcons. The three teams. Got to give them some love. Got to give these, the, 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 you know, the, the typical bottom feeders some love. Yeah, the three teams that we thought were going to be like 4-13. and 13, And they've already won, like, you know, at least the Giants and the Jets have won more games. Or they've tied, um, you know, they, they won one, just four, as many two, games three, last three. year. Right? They went 4-13. Yeah. and 13. The Jets and the Giants went 4-13. and 13. So I'm amazed. And then the other teams that we expected a lot more out of, like the Denver Broncos, right? Like the Packers, like the Bucks, and they've certainly disappointed. So it's a struggling. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Big time. Big time. And certainly not expected. Uh, scoring being scoring is down overall across the league, and that's we've kind of hit on it, you know, through through the course of the the show here. Uh, seven and a half points per game. You know, any number of things comes up. I mean, it seems like offensive line play around the league, and I think just in general, and you know, Alex is uh, you know scouting the league and, and people that you've talked to. I mean, offensive it's always an issue because of the amount of time that the teams have to really practice uh, the lack of hitting that they do stuff that you have to do to become 
the supreme offensive line group. And then you've got all the injuries on top of that. So, I mean, that, that I'm certainly that comes into it. The way defenses have now adjusted taking away big plays, two high shells, playing defenses that are kind of bend, don't break. And again, taking away the deep ball. So, so now teams have to take longer to score, right? I mean, longer drives, uh, less, less possessions, a lot of young quarterbacks. Again, we've talked about a few of them that, you know, still aren't quite there. So again, they're more managing the game than really taking shots. So a lot of reasons for it. But I guess I want to, Alex, the, the offensive line play, because again, I think this came, comes up through the college, through high school, through college. Obviously, that's going to come from the pros too, because that's where they're getting their players. That was a thing. I mean, going back some years too, is that, isn't that's like a major complaint of scouts is, is offensive linemen not being really coached as well as they should it's a lot easier to run block than it is to pass block so if you're going to ask these offensive linemen that come into the league to stay you know to protect the quarterback 35 40 times a game that's fairly difficult especially with with the edge players that are so good today with their get off you know with their hands with their quick first step and I think offensive linemen are struggling with that. So I'm not surprised that teams are taking these offensive lines, these patchwork offensive lines, and saying, okay, we can't pass protect to save our life, so we're going to just run the football more. And you see that more and more because, I mean, offensive linemen, they love doing that stuff. They love getting after it and opening up holes for you know, running backs or quarterbacks out there. I think it's like a common theme a little bit. The offensive line play is worse, and I think these teams realize that, that they have so many injuries and they don't have good enough offensive lines. So what are they doing? They're just slowing down the game and telling them, hey, we're going to run the football. And I think that's that's the common theme that we're seeing across the NFL just in general, why teams are also running the football so much. All right, let's get to the picks. Uh, here we go. Last week, uh, three and two, so we'll, we'll take that. Uh, got it level now, 13 and 13 for the season. Uh, the aforementioned Atlanta Falcons, New York Giants, and New York Jets had each of them all underdogs, all one outright. God, I wish that that would have been a nice money line parlay, but I guess I didn't have the stones at that point to do it that way. Uh, and then the two losers, Miami had a chance. I mean, look, it was 16 to 10. They're driving. Uh, Teddy, you know, hits a nice pass to, to, to Waddle across the middle, and he's making a nice run and just coughs up the ball. And Minnesota takes it down, scores. Turns out to be a 14-point game, so a lot different. You know, kudos to the Vikings for making the play, but it looked like the Dolphins had a chance. Carolina, if I ever say... If I put Carolina ever again in the pick segment, Alex, at least this year, just stop me right there and shoot me, or just just tell me to to stop it. Don't don't ever bet on the uh, on the Panthers. Okay, let's just put that to bed right now. Uh, it was close for a while, but it was only because of a defensive score. They did nothing on offense, and I don't expect them. I I don't want to say it or jinx them, or whatever, but I I just don't see them winning another game this year. All right, so we got four this week. We're sticking with dogs on three of them, but we are going to have a favorite. 
the Packers, again, going on the road as a favorite. This team is so out of whack, can barely score any points in their favor. Now, granted, it is against the Washington Commanders, but we get a little bonus of Taylor Heineke versus Carson Wentz. Now, not that Wentz is playing horribly, but he's always more prone to make the boneheaded play. So let's go with Taylor Heineke there, plus the five with the Commanders. Uh, Seattle is just in, in most of their games. The defense is playing well. Geno's lighting it up when he has to. Uh, yes, they, they cost me in New Orleans, but I still say that was just Taysom Hill going like, you know, all miracle on us. But So I'm going to go with Seattle plus six at the Chargers. Now, again, the Chargers, if you saw them the other night, you'd, you'd say, how are they favored by six again against anyone? Uh, not buying it. So I'm going to take Seattle there. I'm going to take the Steelers getting seven in Miami. Tua may be back. Uh, they may be celebrating the 50 years of the undefeated team, whatever. But I got Brian Flores coaching the defense on the other side. I've got Mike Tomlin. Uh, I don't know if it's Mitch. I don't know if it's Kenny. I don't care. I'm taking the seven points. And then the ugly game of the week. Alex, you are absolutely going to love this one. The Giants at 5-1 and one are on the road, and they are getting points. Why? Why is that? I, there's got to be a reason for it. I love Jacksonville, especially at home. I'm taking Jacksonville minus three over the Giants. Let's go. Wow. Betting on uh, Peterson coming back to to face off against the NFC East team, right? He used to own them. Uh, when, Absolutely, when he was with the Eagles. Yes. All right, Evan Evan Ingram going against his old team. I'll take anything I can get, but it just that number just looks just so stupid. Like there's no reason for it, so I gotta go with it. I'm gonna do a first on this show, and I'm gonna make wow. And I'm going to make Lou happy in the process as well. This was a... No, no, I don't want... (laughs) It's the kiss of death. Don't do it. I have to do it. I just looked at the matchup. No. Please don't. So it's the the Super Bowl rematch from a couple of years back. I'm going against my own team. Who does that? Okay. Maybe it's a way to... It's reverse psychology here. I'm trying. I'm trying, Lou. Dude. All right, my lock of the week. I'm going to go with the Chiefs, minus two and a half on the road against the 49ers. The Chiefs are coming off a tough loss. The 49ers got pounced against the Falcons. And the 49ers just have so many injuries. Maybe Nick Bosa will play, but there are other guys that are on the injury list, and the injury list is long. And I just, I don't buy it. I think the Chiefs will have an easy time on the road taking care of the 49ers. Doesn't it seem like, it just seems like certain teams always have, like the Chargers, the Niners. I mean, I'm sure there are others, but it just seems like every year they have, they just get these crushing injuries and you're like, God, if it, they, I don't get it. I don't know if it's just bad luck or whatever, but uh, yeah, anyway, Alex gives me the kiss of death now. San Francisco rolls. Come on, man. All right, gang, that's going to do it for us this week. Enjoy the week. Should be some decent games. Not as good as last week's uh, 
chart anyway. But I, but it looks like there's going to be some good matchups. I, I think that Cincinnati Atlanta is a sneaky good one to to keep your eye on. The Ravens and and the Browns, obviously the the Chiefs and, and the Niners. If I do say so myself. So uh, good luck with all your plays. Go ahead and hit subscribe. Don't miss any of our episodes. And for Alex, I'm Lou. On the way out. Peace.